on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well. Sunny, bright, and hot outside here in the Auburn Opelika area. Hope you're all doing well. Again, as we are halfway through the week, a happy Masters week as well as the uh, Par 3 contest going on right now at Augusta. Been keeping up with that throughout the afternoon and uh, seeing if the Part 3 contest curse stays alive this year. Uh, We'll talk about that coming up in a little bit on today's show. But this is the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins, joined by Carter Bird here in the studio. Carter, happy Wednesday and happy Masters Week to you, brother. Yeah, happy Masters Week. We're getting closer to uh, day one tomorrow. I'm really excited about that. Uh, Got Tiger Woods on the course. We've got all these... Uh, live golf guys out there, all the PGA guys out there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, two best players in the world. Of course, Rory and everybody's opinions on him right now out there as well. It's going to be fun, man. I always look forward to um, when the Masters, when major golf season comes around. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the par three contest, one of the uh, greatest traditions in golf uh, that is going on right now. It always happens the Wednesday before uh, the tournament gets started at the Masters and we've seen at least two hole-in-ones, if not three already at the Par 3 contest. I know uh, Bubba Watson hit one and I know Scotty Scheffler hit one as well. And so uh, it's always exciting. It's always cool to watch the families that are out there and the different caddies and, and all these guys and have their kids and their wives and their grandparents and all that. So it's a lot of fun watching uh, the Par 3 contest. It's going on right now at Augusta and everybody just praying that the weather holds off over there in Georgia because tomorrow looks like it'll be okay but the rest of the week not looking so hot so we'll see how it goes uh, over at Augusta we'll talk about the Masters coming up in in a little bit we'll talk about uh, the storylines coming into the week and as of right now if Bubba Watson continues doing what he's doing he's going to win the par three contest and the curse of the par three contest is nobody that has ever won the par three contest as the masters has gone on to win the actual tournament so i mean fair it's it's never happened not very likely that you would win the par three contest i mean what are the odds you gotta be pretty dialed in for five days and i mean it eliminates basically the driver obviously because it's Mm -hmm. part three course so Guys who have that advantage don't exactly um, get to see that advantage play out over the course. I mean, Bryson DeChambeau is never going to win the par three contest because he can't hit it 380 yards. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But, I mean, it is an interesting factoid that that nobody who has won the the par three contest 
has gone on to win the actual Masters tournament. But that's going on right now. And like I said, coming up later, we'll talk about the Masters and, and give our picks, talk about the storylines and all of that. But phone lines are open today. We'd love to hear from you. Anything on your mind in the sports world, give us a call. 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. Or you can tweet at us at ESPN1067. We'd love to hear from you on Twitter as well. Comments, questions, concerns for us here over the next few hours here on ESPN 106.7 and before we get into all of the uh, topics for today and give you the rundown have to make an announcement about our basketball mayhem contest of course the NCAA tournament is over and we have a winner of our basketball mayhem contest we appreciate everybody uh, entering and submitting your picks and keeping up with it the entire NCAA tournament the basketball mayhem uh, contest was sponsored by the orthopedic clinic our good friends over there so we appreciate them as as always and the winner is Matthew Powell from Auburn he scored 152 of the possible 384 points and if you think that's not a lot did you watch the tournament at all it was most it was the most unpredictable tournament we've ever seen and so congratulations to Matthew Powell again of Auburn he scored 152 of the 384 possible points Matthew is taking home a 55 inch flat screen smart TV a $100 Visa gift card and an Auburn Networks prize pack so again Matthew Powell the winner of our basketball mayhem contest we appreciate him and everybody uh, who submitted picks and kept up with it all tournament long so some great prizes for him and always check back at espnau.com we have contests going on all the time so be sure you go and check those out but here's what's coming up today here on the wednesday edition of on the line we're going to talk the transfer portal for college basketball right now big names continue to enter the portal now that the season is over a lot of guys from around the SEC, some guys outside of the SEC that are drawing interest of some rival schools of Auburn. We'll talk about the guys that Auburn has lost and which some of these guys Auburn could possibly go after. So that's where we'll start today with the transfer portal for college basketball. Later on, we'll talk about Auburn football a little bit more, what we saw at practice, what we're hearing as we get closer and closer to A-Day. And then in hour number two, we'll talk about the Masters and some more football coming up at 3 o'clock so again we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 and as I said Carter we'll start with the college basketball transfer portal big names continue to enter and announce that they're entering uh, the transfer portal of course we know Auburn lost Chance Westry and Yoan Treor uh, but big names from all over the country are going into the portal right now yeah I mean it's certainly uh, basketball feels like the football transfer portal on steroids because it feels like literally everybody enters it every year uh, I'm curious to see how many how many players are in the transfer portal right now I'm see if I can find that um, it's certainly just wild man I mean big name players who've been at places for a long time um, like Hunter Dickinson at yeah. Michigan guy who's been pretty associated with Michigan basketball here of late he's in the portal and he's talking to schools all over the country I mean it's it's madness man it really is I mean it's a continuation of March Madness here in in April and as we move into May and I don't know it just feels like everybody's rosters turn over so much more in basketball than any other sport and we've talked about how 
the times are different now than they've ever been about the transfer portal and NIL and how a player can commit to a school and be on the roster their freshman year and instead of waiting it out and waiting their turn at a current school they don't have to do that anymore now some still do in respect to them but at the same time respect to those who realize okay maybe a this is not the place for me b there are places where I can be a starter day one right now or see maybe you just need a complete change of scenery and go somewhere else and whatever the reason may be players have that option now and they are taking full advantage of it Auburn knows that oh so well with Chance Westry and Yoan Treor who have entered the transfer portal but look at who Auburn has brought in via the transfer portal over the last few years Jani Broom Wendell Green Zeb Jasper those are all big names on Auburn's roster that were transfer portal guys and so I think in college basketball, that's just the name of the game. We talk about it with football. We'll talk about it with football coming up very, very soon uh, with spring practices uh, wrapping up over the next couple of weeks. We'll talk about that and the craziness that's going to look like in the game of football. But when you compare basketball and football in the transfer portal, you're comparing anywhere from an 80-man roster to a 15-man roster? I mean, you're you're comparing yeah. massively different numbers to where – one or two guys can change the entire program for college basketball. Whereas with football, you want to go out and get 15 or 20 big name guys that can make a difference. And it makes basketball a whole lot more competitive within the transfer portal. Yeah. I mean, you look at it right now. We know how, how like you said, how much smaller these rosters are. Four days ago from on three, they said they had an article that cited there's about 1,100 players in the portal. From four days ago. I think Bruce, when he did his interview with Barstool, said there are 1,200. There's probably at least 1,500 players in the portal at this point in time. Because the championship game has ended. And the 60-day transfer portal window after the championship game has begun. And so because of that, I mean, now that it's officially open, you're going to have more and more kids enter in. I think it's going to... Uh, it's gonna be a feeling out process, and there maybe maybe some guys that get squeezed out of spots, and I, it's crazy, man. It really is. It's wild just how uh, widespread the um, the amount of people, like everybody who has the slightest grievance, is entering the transfer portal. It feels like uh, you've seen that at Auburn, you've seen that at other schools. Uh, you've seen guys that schools aren't expecting to hit the portal, hit the portal. Chance Westry is one of those. Auburn wasn't expecting that. Right. Um, I think at Alabama, you look at Jaden Bradley. He's in the portal. That was not expected. Uh, former five-star guard, a guy who I guess looked at Alabama and the fact that it looks like they're going to run it back with Mark Sears uh, and Javon Quinterly. And he said, well, I can get more minutes elsewhere, I guess. Um, and I think that they're they're kind of scrambling a little bit. I think they thought they had, uh, what's his name, Keon, was it Keon Mitchell? I think Keon Minifield, sorry, uh, the guard from Washington. I think they thought they were going to land him, and he committed to Arkansas yesterday during our show. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's fascinating. It's so it's so chaotic stuff. There's seismic shifts in the basketball transfer portal. From hour to hour, from minute to minute, it really is fantastic. Well, you brought up a point uh, that I want to to reiterate a little bit because we talk about how players 
in today's game of college basketball, football, athletics in general, they have the option to leave their current situation and go find a better spot for them. Again, whether it be playing time or coaching or coaches or or whatever the case may be. But on the flip side, it's not always the players. You talked about, you brought it up, Carter, about players being squeezed out of their current situation and borderline being forced to leave because the coaches or the coaching staff or the head coach comes to him and says, look, man, you're not going to play on next year's team because of reasons A, B, and C, whether it be someone else new coming in or or talent they're going to get from the transfer portal or it's just not working out. That happens every single day. That happens every day at programs across the country where coaches go to players and for whatever reason, they tell them, hey, it's a good idea for you to go ahead and get in the transfer portal because you're not going to play here next year. You're not going to get minutes. You're not going to get what you're looking for here. And whether it's a good way of, of going about that or it's a bad way of going about it, and that that's all dependent on the coach situation, whatever. But I think that's a, a critical point that needs to be brought up because it's not always just the players, quote-unquote, quitting on their team or quitting on their program. Sometimes their there's coach really doesn't give them an option. Yeah, there's, there's a mixture there. There's guys who are saying who are pushed out, basically saying, "Hey, if you want to play, you may need to look elsewhere. Uh, you may need to look. You're not going to get more minutes." And Bruce talked about this last week. Um, talked about Devin Cambridge. He said, "With the way the depth chart shook out, with the way the roster shook out, he told Devin, "Hey, Devin, you've got 20 minutes that you've played a game this past year. Right now, the way it looks, it's going to be 20 minutes again." He's like, "I don't have more minutes to give you." What do you want to do? What do you want to do with that? And Devin made the decision that, okay, I'm going to enter the transfer portal. I'm going to go to Arizona State where he got a lot more run, and he had a good year. Yeah, he and did. good for him. And, and wish the best to Devin Cambridge, absolutely. And I, I he's a, a good dude, and I, I'm happy that it worked out for him. Um, but that does happen. I think there's more so, – there's some spots where there's more of a sense of urgency to squeeze some guys out. I think that certainly happens uh, and then there's the flip side of it whether a player's not happy with um, playing time either whether it be a freshman or uh, a guy older than that they may look to go elsewhere on their own to find a better situation for them you look at Justin Powell as somebody who's done that a couple times um, and then also you look at um, potentially and we've seen this Entering the transfer portal to try to maximize your NIL value. Isaiah Wong on that Miami team that made the Final Four. He did that last year. That was, he had his, I think his lawyer was like, it. don't hold me to it. But if I recall correctly, um, allegedly his lawyer was like, hey, we're in the portal. Whoever gives us the most NIL money, like, you got us. Um We've seen stuff like that, and it's it's fascinating to watch it all happen. And which is not a secret. Like that's that happens all over the country. Those things. It, it's, it's almost a it's almost a form of, and not everybody does this, but some players do. And credit to them if that's the route they go. It's almost a form of a a threat, maybe if that's the word I'm looking for, where a player enters the portal and says, "Okay, current school. Okay, Auburn. I'm entering the transfer portal." I want this amount of NIL money. If you can't give it to me, I'm going to find out who can. So initially, his agent at the time, Adam 
Papas, Papas um, initially told ESPN, if Isaiah and his family don't feel that the NIL number meets their expectations, they will be entering the transfer portal tomorrow while maintaining his eligibility in the NFL draft uh, and going through the draft process. Then I think Isaiah Wong came out the next day, said the recent statements uh, made without my authorization on my behalf do not reflect my views, yada, 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 and he came back to Miami. So that's how that went. But I think that probably the agent's statements were not far off from what the mindset was, Mm -hmm. but I think there was probably some public backlash that may have forced that second statement to walk it back some. Yeah, no doubt. And and look, to... To tell yourself that this doesn't happen across the country from different players in different schools and it's just a little bit quieter and you don't have your lawyer come out and talk about it, you're you're wrong because these things happen. And that's that oh, is those are athletes and families using the system to their advantage to get the absolute most money possible. And that's what you're able to do with NIL and transfer portal now, especially in this situation that we're talking about with college basketball, where mm-hmm. it is so competitive in the transfer portal because you don't have to go and get 15 20 guys like you do in football you could get as little as one and your entire program changes yeah i mean it it happens in football happens in basketball Uh, i think and it happens in baseball to a lesser extent and it probably happens in other sports as well but this is this is the way that the game works right now and we may not like it but um as long as we don't To Ed's point that he's talked about a lot, as long as we don't uh, lock kids into contracts where they're getting set pay, um, they're going to do this and they're going to keep doing this. And, you know, more power to them, I guess, because it's been a long time where the whole amateurism idea from the NCAA has been a farce uh, and the NCAA didn't do a lot to put up guardrails and control NIL. Shocker. Uh, and they keep hoping that, I guess, the, the federal government steps in and puts guardrails up for them. Um, and as a result, as of all the Supreme Court stuff with the NCAA, the Austin case, all of this stuff, the NCAA doesn't really feel like they have that many teeth to them anymore. And so now it's, it's I mean... If, if I'm a school, I'm daring the NCAA to come after me. I really am. And if they do come after me... It's going to take gonna, 10 years for them to figure it out anyway. I'm going to kick the can down the road, kick the can down the road, keep doing that because, in my mind, I don't think the NCAA is going to be a thing in 10 years. I don't either. I've said that. I In 10 years, within it, I don't think the NCAA... And if they do exist, they will not be governing the biggest schools and programs in the country when it comes to the major sports. I, I, I truly believe that. I just don't think... We, we have seen way too many times that the NCAA has no, they have no control. They have no, they just can't do it. They cannot do it anymore. They're not good enough representing the schools and the athletes and able to control what's going on. And then their go-to response was to use, use the federal government to help them out. I mean, 
we know what that's like, what that's been over the past 10 to 15 years. Like, it's just not a good idea to do that. And so I agree. It's just, again, it's a new era in college athletics. And you're seeing right now in the college basketball transfer portal, big names popping up everywhere. Guys leaving Auburn, guys leaving big time programs. When we come back, we'll talk about some of the biggest names in the transfer portal, where they might end up, and who Auburn could go after to replace a couple of their losses as well. We'll talk about that when we come back here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Question of the day here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. 334-321-1390, the number to put you through to us, rolls right into what we've been talking about. Carter, what are Auburn's biggest needs in the transfer portal? Auburn basketball, that is, because the transfer portal window is open right now for basketball. Names are entering left and right every 30 minutes. Another big name around the country enters the transfer portal. So where does Auburn need to go in the transfer portal, the spots they need to address, and more importantly, which players that have entered the portal already could Auburn go after? So, I mean, we've kind of talked about this a little bit, just talking about the issues with the Auburn team this past year. Right. Um, I think you look at guys who can shoot. um, Maybe with Wendell Green going out the door, if you want another guy who can handle the basketball to help out with – Aiden Holloway, uh, and Trey Donaldson. Uh, Maybe give you some flexibility to try Trey Donaldson at the two a little bit and have two ball handlers on the court, two guys who can pass, uh, and explore those shooting numbers that we saw from Trey Donaldson at the end of the year where he went, what, nine of nine from three or eight of eight from three in the NCAA tournament and was... um, just absolutely locked in and could not miss. It really was impressive. I would like to see Trey at the two. I really would. I'd like to see that. And we be interesting. We talked about this. We really never saw Zepp Jasper and Trey Donaldson on the floor at the same time. Well, yeah, that was that was certainly interesting. I think you bring back Katie Johnson. Um, and I think as long as you get the Katie Johnson who shot like he did the last month of the year when he fixed his shot and all of a sudden was a 50% three-point shooter. And was confident. Yes. Oh, I mean, Katie Johnson's never <laughs> not been confident. What are you talking that's, about? That's very fair. That's very <laughs> but fair. As long as you have that, I think you feel good about the the kind of the initial pieces of the backcourt. I think you still got to go add uh, a wing, kind of a 2-3, a guy who can play both. Uh, but you you need people who can shoot. You need shooters. It'll help out Jani Broom. Uh, I am curious to see what happens in the front court for Auburn. I think Jalen Williams is back. I think Jani Broom is back. Um, and I think Dylan Carvel's back. But I think Auburn's also after a big man. Uh, a name that I've seen mentioned is Micah Handlington. Don't don't quote me on that pronunciation. It's hand, log, and tin all in a row. Uh, the seven foot one center out of Marshall. Uh, he looks like an interesting piece to potentially develop. He's got to put on some weight. He is mm-hmm. really skinny. I think he's like 195 pounds. Um, but I think when you look at some of the targets in the in the portal for Auburn, we've heard a lot about Denver Jones, a guy who averaged 20 points per game last year as a guard for FIU, uh, around a 37 percent three point shooter. 
and uh, you look at Quincy Olivari, the guard from Rice, at 17, 18 points a game, a 30-something percent three-point shooter. Um, and you also have TJ Bamba, the, the wing from Washington State. I think he is somebody Auburn is aggressively after. Um, Cario Okendo out of Georgia, uh, another kind of guard wing guy there. There's some pieces that Auburn can absolutely add. Damian Dunn, the wing from, from Temple. These are guys who can bring something to this team. I think Cario Okendo gives you kind of Alan Flanagan, but maybe yeah. a more consistent player. Mm-hmm. Uh, he may not be as good of a shooter right now, but I do think that those numbers have to improve with the fact that he... I don't think he will be the uh, primary... Uh, or I don't think he'll be the player that team's key on the way that, he, that they did with him at Georgia. I think that'll free him up for some better shot selection if he were to come to Auburn. They're pieces, and I think this Auburn team can reload and get a lot better. Uh, and that's part of the conversation we had about Wendell Green is, Wendell was a good player, and let's be honest, like he was a good point guard. But we don't think, like just because he was good doesn't mean you can't do better and upgrade and get people with higher ceilings. And I think that's what Auburn is doing right now. And that's it right there. It's not that it's not that Wendell Green wasn't good. And it's not that Wendell Green didn't do good things for Auburn. But there are there are upgrades that you could take at the guard position. Not even be not even of Wendell Green. Just in general. There are really good players in the transfer portal right now. And Cario Oquindo is a guy that you've talked about before. We've talked a lot about with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, uh, normally joins us on Wednesdays. And we've talked about him a lot. And that's one of the most popular names that would come up when Jordan Hill would talk to us was Oquindo, who is just so talented and so good and so athletic and Auburn's not afraid to go and take a player from Georgia. KD Johnson was that guy. And so I think he could be a guy that you could bring in. I look at Jalen Cook from Tulane. I think he has what Bruce Pearl would like to see on his roster at the guard position he's as well. Gonna be, he's going to be one of the most sought-after players in the portal, though. I think he's certainly an intriguing name. Uh, him and uh, Max Abmas uh, out of Oral Roberts are two of the most exciting players in the transfer portal besides Hunter Dickinson, who's obviously been talked about a lot. Would you hate the idea of Jaden Bradley? Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's... I don't think that's... I don't think Auburn's going to touch that. And I think that there's a lot of reasons why. I mean, I think you, you because of the whole situation in Tuscaloosa, I don't think that um, Auburn is seeking him out. I'll say that. I think he can be a really good player, and I think he'll end up somewhere, and he'll do well. I don't think he's on all the teams. I don't either. I don't either, but it's always fun to just talk about hypotheticals sometimes. With Auburn going after some guys in the transfer portal, lots of basketball players in there now with the window wide open for college basketball. But when we come back, we'll talk Auburn football and practice from the other day. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 
Halfway through hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Well, before we get into some football conversations and talk about practice this week for Auburn uh, as we get closer and closer to A-Day, uh, Auburn baseball, uh, they played last night against UAB. We'll talk about that as we wrap up this first hour coming up in about 15 minutes. But Auburn baseball back home this weekend against Texas A&M at Plainsman Park. Uh, it's a big weekend on the Plains. Lots going on with baseball and A-Day. They got a statue reveal going on, and so uh, lots going on here on the Plains. But we were able to give away some tickets yesterday, and yes, you guessed it, I've got more today. Two tickets for Auburn baseball versus Texas A&M on Friday. These are for Friday night at Plainsman Park. I've got two of them, and the first one to call in, uh, you will get them. So give us a call, 334-321-1390. Two tickets for Auburn baseball versus Texas a a&M on Friday. So give us a call and the first one to call in, you will win at 334-321-1390. And Carter, we'll start talking about some football a little bit as uh, we'll talk football as practice going on this week. Had a few more practices before A-Day coming up on Saturday. And we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but Hugh Freeze did confirm that A-Day is going to look a little bit different than what Auburn fans are used to. It's not going to look like your traditional spring game. And to be honest with you, I'm kind of okay with it. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think that with the state of the roster, with – um the way that they've gone through spring practice being very base. I think that they aren't planning on splitting into two teams and trying to play each other. I think it's going to be offense versus defense the whole time. And he's done this before at other schools. He's created a scoring system. I mean, it'll be like points for a sack or uh, points for a three and out for a defense. And then, of course, it'll be offensive points as well. I like that. I like that because it allows you to kind of rotate your – best players together and you're not having to split that up you're allowed to you can get them some some reps together and your first and second and third team and all that have you seen the discussion that some people are having about college football right now with spring games where the conversation is and there's a debate going on about whether schools should scrimmage against other smaller schools for the spring game it would be something like auburn and you know, like a like an Alabama State or something like that, or, or even and Troy. yeah, or UAB and Troy, something like that, where Auburn and Alabama and these big schools would basically scrimmage against a smaller school in the spring game, where it could be more beneficial. What's your thoughts on that? I think it's a fantastic idea. I think it should happen. I think it should have been happening a long time ago. I mean, the first coach I heard really bring this up, I guess, um, was why am I drawing a blank on Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State. Uh, he was the first coach I really heard bring this up. I think it's a great idea, and I think it's a way to uh, it's a it's a way to generate excitement about this around the spring game because we've we've seen some pretty bad crowds at a day games for teams all over the country before. I mean, I mean it's it's, it's a glorified practice. I mean, it's what yes, it is. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a weak excuse for a scrimmage most most places, and I think if you Put a different team on the field. I think you're, you'd get a different energy in the stadium. I think you'd get a different uh, excitement from the players. Um, and in, as Hugh said on, I think it was his Monday press conference, you'd eliminate your chance of injury by 50% because you don't have two teams on the field. 
uh, from your own team. And I think that I like it. I really do. Um, I saw, I think it was John Summerall. I've seen Trent Dilfer and John Summerall, the coaches at UAB, and uh, Troy comment on it. And uh, Trent Dilfer was like, yes, 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 please, yes. He said Hughes 100% right, like, this would be great. We'd love to do it, see where we stack up with an Auburn, with an Alabama, um, and they'd get to play a different team and get a different look than the same guys. Because, I mean, let's be honest. When you're in practice every day with the same people, you kind of learn some tendencies, and you can expose yourself to something different. Uh, John Summerall, he was all about it as well. He said he thinks it's a great idea, and he'd be all about it. And he, I think he wanted it to be more of a – find a way to do it like home and home because they still want that incentive of of ha- ending their spring kind of at home with a big event that their fans can come to. I think that'd be a little bit harder to do. Yeah. I think you'd, you'd have a hard time seeing um, Auburn and Alabama agree to that. But I do think it's certainly a great idea. And I've, I've thought in the past... What about if you eliminated the 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 FCS game from the regular season and you brought an FCS team in for your spring game? What if that was your your buy game, your pay game, the game where you uh, in the regular season paying a million, one and a half million, eight hundred thousand dollars, whatever it is, to bring some team in to play you? What if you move that to the spring? I I just think anything to give it more of a feel of there's an actual game, an actual competition. It's not just the same team on the field. Um, I think it generates excitement. I think it'll, you you will see uh, fans be more excited about it. You'll consistently see fans show up more often. Because I think, I mean, year one with a head, new head coach, you generally see, I feel at least, uh, A-Day crowds are bigger. Mm-hmm. Think about uh, Gus Malzahn's first one. Um, I think Saturday, there will be a lot of people there. I think um, the weather may affect the crowd because weather's going to be awful. Yeah, not looking, not looking great. But uh, no, it's I affect think the Masters too. Yeah, unfortunately, it's definitely going to affect the Masters. But you know, this debate that's going on, and we're talking about if you're just now tuning in. We're talking about the conversation that's being had right now in college football to make the spring games for these bigger schools mean a little bit more and make them a little bit more entertaining. And I like the idea. I really, really do. I like the idea of bringing in a smaller school, a smaller program, like it. We'll use Troy, for example. I think Troy is a really good example here. If Auburn were to bring in Troy and play a scrimmage on Saturday, that would generate a lot more excitement for the fans. It would be a better test for the players because, as you mentioned, Carter, you're not just going up against the same guys as you've been going up against the entire spring. It's more of an in-game feel, so you could almost prepare for it like it's a real game and get that sort of vibe and feel for it as well. But on the flip side, to play to play the devil's advocate pushback here, I don't know if your injuries necessarily go down. I understand the math part of it where you're technically your injuries go down 50% because your team's not on the field the entire time or more your guys aren't it on the team less, the entire it's 50% time. It's less reps too, though. Yes. That's the thing. But 
you're going up against another squad and you're going in into an actual game rather than what a day is which is technically still a practice and so I think the injuries would still I think it would still be a high maybe not a high percentage or high likely but look injuries are going to happen no matter what you're doing I mean somebody could get injured from slipping on the turf because it rained last night like those things happen but I don't know if if you're going head on and you're going full force with a whole nother football team I mean injuries are going to happen you can't prevent that and so I get that side of it on why people would not want Auburn or Alabama or Tennessee or whoever to scrimmage against a smaller school for the spring game because the the risk of injury because you're going harder is higher I get that side of it But really what my concern would be, and it has to do with what Hugh Free said in his conference press conference on Monday, this is still a practice. Like, yes, it's the spring game, it's A Day, it's whatever you call it across the country, but it's still a practice, and it's the last practice of the spring. And Hugh Freeze talked about it in his press conference on Monday, how you have to be really, really careful on what you do in these spring games because it's broadcasted everywhere. It's going to be on ESPN+. Plus. Anybody who wants access to it can get it. He talked about people who will be there and who will be watching, who will be watching the signal callers and taking notes and doing the dirty work that it takes to be successful in today's game of college football. And I think if it were to be a full-on scrimmage, Auburn versus Troy or UAB or whoever, I think you would lose that practice aspect of it and you would lose that chance to get better because when you look at the season, the games are not meant to be, you don't get better in the game. When you're in the game, that's the time to show what you've worked on to to put it all together to try to win. In a scrimmage, you're not necessarily looking to get better. You're looking to not get hurt and you're looking to perform well, and show what you have. You're looking to evaluate your guys in the scrimmage right. setup. I think that I just think you would lose the practice aspect of it where as Hugh Freeze mentioned you only get a limited amount in spring so you would lose the chance to truly get better if it's a scrimmage versus a practice. Well, it's Hugh Freeze calling for this. I think I think the difference here is Hugh Freeze looks at A day and when you're trying to make it entertaining for the fans it's not going to be a good product to improve anyway. And so I think this is a way to I do think there is an aspect of limiting injury risk but I think that there is a little bit of extra juice extra competition being on the field with a different team I think your big schools like your Auburn and Alabama if they're playing Troy and UAB um, you're gonna see them be extremely vanilla and extremely uh, just run everything out of their based schemes and I think it's a great opportunity uh, to evaluate your guys against other teams, other teams that they haven't seen. When you look at it from a Troy or UAB perspective, I think when you look at it from a UAB perspective, um, with the comments Trent Dilfer has made, if Auburn and UAB played each other in a spring game, you might see a little more um, trying to actually win the game. Because he he said, look, we're trying to be the second school in the state of Alabama behind Al- behind the University of Alabama. Um, we're trying to go get the players that Alabama does not um, land in this state. Which can be interpreted as a shot at Auburn. That we're, U- UAB is trying to come for Auburn's spot 
in the state, in this hierarchy that this state and the, I guess, the southeast is in. And if that's the case, I think you're going to view, you're going to see some of these smaller coaches if it does set up as uh, with these scrimmage games where they're trying more to win because they think that having a W on the scoreboard might make some people, some recruits that are looking at, at their school, might give them a second thought of, huh, well, they beat this SEC school. They beat this Power 5 school. They beat this big-name school, big-name program in their spring game. They might have something figured out. I don't know. I just think that there's a lot of potential for it to be a positive for both sides. I can see the headlines now. Troy marches to Tuscaloosa and takes down the tide in the spring game. Like, no, like that doesn't matter. Like, I don't it, think it's that's still happen. It's still a spring game. Like, it doesn't matter. It's it's it is for the fans, and I get that. That's why they do it. It's for the fans. That it is a it is a chance for the fan base to go into the stadium for ten dollars and watch your team practice. That's what it is. And I I like the idea of going up against another team, but I also don't want them to lose the aspect of a practice. But I do think with the with the format and what it has become, how much are you really getting out of it? Because again, like Hugh Free said, so much of it is broadcasted and so much of it is put on display, you can't do a whole lot. And so it's just the spring game in general. I honestly and this sounds bad maybe, but I wouldn't care if it didn't exist. Like, I know it's for the fans, and I get that part of it, but if it meant for Auburn, if it meant that Auburn could go and do a full-on normal practice and get better off the main field with nobody watching, and that would benefit them down the road and truly figure out who should be on this roster and who shouldn't, and that means A-Day does not exist, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I really am, and that may be a hot take, I don't know, but... I just I think, think it's if, fair. I think that's 100% fair. I, I, I don't think you could see from Hugh's body language. I don't think he views A-Day as this fantastic opportunity to evaluate his team. I will say the one very, very big important thing that we have not mentioned yet about A-Day is the recruiting aspect of it. Yes. That is very, very important. So you would ha- if, if it's not going to happen, but if you had to work if you were to get rid of a day and get rid of a spring game, you would have to find a way to make up for what the recruiting aspect of it is. Because as we know, and as we'll talk about as the week goes on, there's going to be a lot of recruits on campus. There's going to be over 20 blue chip ratio players on campus this weekend, including five, five stars. So that's a big deal. And you know what? Maybe that's why A-Day exists. Maybe that's the real reason that A-Day is a thing. Yes, it's for the fans, but it's a chance to bring players on campus and show what a somewhat game day atmosphere looks like and what a game day would look like around Jordan-Hare Stadium and inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. And so uh, that's something we had not mentioned, but that's a big factor in it too. So all of that plays into it. I know we didn't talk much about Auburn, but I think that's an interesting conversation. And we'd love to hear from you, our listeners. Do you want A-Day to change? Would you rather Auburn play a smaller school and do a scrimmage against another program for a day or do you like the format like it is we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 we'll wrap up hour number one when we come back here on the wednesday edition of on the line you are on the line on espn 1067 
Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up our number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goetz, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. And uh, as we get through this first hour, the game just went final for the Atlanta Braves in the series finale against the Cardinals Carter, the Braves just swept the Cardinals in their season finale 5-2, to two, and they get the season sweep of, or the series sweep, I should say, of the St. Louis Cardinals. And just like that, Braves are 4-1 and one to start the year. Yeah, how about it? I mean, the way that uh, the way that they handled themselves against a Cardinals team that's supposed to be pretty good. Um, they, they obviously got the series win against the Nationals. They dropped a game there, but pretty dominant performance uh, against this Cardinals team. Um, 5-2 win in this one that was 5 nothing for most of the game. The Cardinals tack on a couple runs there in the late innings. Uh, but the way that they beat them 4-1 yesterday with uh, Austin Riley two-run bomb uh, and all the home runs in the opener, 8-4, to including Austin Riley's ridiculous 473-foot home run. Um, That's kind of far. The, the pitching staff is not exactly... Uh, healthy it's not where it's supposed to be um but if the offense keeps carrying them the way that they are right now you have to feel really good if you're a brace fan which is something that uh lindsey crosby told us about yesterday we had him in the studio and if you missed any of that uh, he joined us in the second hour yesterday and we had an absolute blast talking about uh baseball talking about the rules changes talking about this braves team and that was something that he mentioned was if you have to have injuries, which injuries are going to happen, we say that all the time, he said you would rather it be in your starting pitching rotation rather than your batting one through nine lineup because the offense is going to keep you in games and can yeah. win you games where the pitching staff, I guess, will just keep you in games, won't necessarily win it for you. Braves are looking just fine. They score five runs today and they get the series sweep of St. Louis. Yeah, and you're six games into the season and you're tied with the Tampa Bay Rays for the biggest division lead in baseball at two games. Love it. Six games in, already up two games. Love it. Well, they sweep the Cardinals today, and uh, see, a, I'm seeing a stat on Twitter, and uh, it says the Braves did not get their first sweep in 2022. So last season, the Braves did not get their first sweep until June 2nd through 5th. So early June of last year, in last year's season, it was early June before the Braves got their first sweep of a series. In just the second series of the year, they already get one. Yeah, and they are—I think they're tied for fifth right now in baseball in runs scored uh, with the, I think, the Cleveland Guardians and the Baltimore Orioles, uh, sitting behind the Rays, who've scored 44 runs in their six games already. That's pretty outstanding. And then, of course, the uh, Dodgers. How about this? Do you know who third is in Major League Baseball in runs scored? I don't. Last place in the AL East, Boston Red Sox. Wow, what do you know? Well, uh, not Bra- off to a great start today. They're down 4-1 to the Pirates. So, But the Braves, the fact that they have only allowed 14 runs while scoring 32 runs, that's how you start 5-1. and one. Absolutely. Course, the You have the Rays, who are about the only team better at that right now, who are 44 runs scored, 13 runs allowed. And that's how you start 6-0 and oh to start the, your uh, season. Absolutely. Well, the Braves playing well. They come home this weekend for the first home series 
of 2023. That's a four-game series against the very talented, uh, very uh, well-known San Diego Padres, uh, who have some big, big names on that roster hitting and pitching-wise. And it's a four-game series. Starts on Thursday. The Braves on Saturday and Sunday. You can catch those games right here on ESPN 106.7 as the Braves will be here Saturday and Sunday on ESPN Radio. So we will carry those here on ESPN 106.7. Saturday, uh, first pitch and broadcast time set for 5.30 in Game 3. And then the series finale on Sunday set for 5 o'clock for Sunday Night Baseball right here on ESPN 106.7. So don't miss your chance to hear the Atlanta Braves this weekend on Saturday and Sunday as they take on the Padres here on ESPN 106.7. Hour number one in the book. Stay tuned. We'll talk more Transfer Portal and Auburn football coming up in hour number two. Live on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here in the Auburn Network studio, Carter Bird, because Jacob had to step out for a second uh, to help one of our prize winners here at the station. Uh, We spent a lot of time in the first hour talking about uh, the transfer portal, talking about Auburn's A-Day game, talking about um, the Braves a little bit as we watched their game wrap up with their series sweep against the Cardinals. And I think we're going to jump back into the transfer portal here in this second hour, uh, looking at the fact that the basketball transfer portal feels about as crazy as it's ever been. I know that uh, the NCAA and other entities at play are trying to put some sort of structure around it so it's not every year somebody is in the portal uh, and you can play for four or five different teams over your four or five year career. Uh, But that's the way it feels right now when we see I mean, got to be close to 1,500 players on the portal at this point in time. It's been fascinating as we rebuild. I, everybody rebuilds their college rosters because nobody, you got to expect at a minimum, you're going to see what, a 25% kind of uh, turnover on your roster at least. Mm hmm. Yeah, well, hey, I appreciate you uh, starting out hour number two because I uh, was helping load up a 50-inch flat-screen smart TV because Matthew Powell, our winner of the Basketball Mayhem Contest sponsored by the Orthopedic Clinic, he just swung by and picked up his flat-screen TV, his 55-inch flat-screen TV, a $100 Visa gift card, and an Auburn Networks prize pack. And so uh, he rolled up, and I was uh, taking a picture and helping him load up that TV. So, Carter, I appreciate you getting started. But, uh, yeah, Matthew Powell, again, a big, big thank you to uh, him and everybody for entering Basketball Mayhem. we got contests going on all year long, so be sure you tune in and uh, go to ESPNAU.com. Click on that contest tab and check back frequently. Uh, We've got all kinds of stuff going on throughout the year but uh yeah again Matthew Powell big time winner of the NCAA tournament with our basketball mayhem but yeah you're talking about uh the transfer portal with college basketball and just 
just how crazy it truly is. And just look at some of the names that have already entered the transfer portal for college basketball. The two from Auburn, Chance Westry and Yoan Treori. We expect those to be uh, pretty pretty sought-after players because of their potential, right? They Those two guys have a very, very high potential to be really good basketball players. I mean, Treor was one of the highest recruits ever at Auburn. And Westry is up there too. And both of them are going to be really, really good, but they just didn't pan out here at Auburn. But um, yeah, you look at those guys, you look at Hunter Dickinson from Michigan. We talked about him in our number one, Jalen Cook from Tulane. Uh, You have Jaden Bradley from Alabama, Caleb Love from North Carolina, a guy that has been there for a couple of years who Tar Heel fans really, really liked uh, and is a big name out of the SC or out of the ACC. And so how about Tremont Mark from Houston, a team that beat Auburn in the NCAA tournament? Big names in the portal already. Oh, yeah. I mean, LJ Cryer, Hunter Dickinson, Jalen Cook, Max Abmas. Um, you've got, of course, Caleb Love. You've got Tremont Mark, who went off against Auburn, just bullied Wendell Green on the defensive end. Um, really just backed him down and shot over him. And that's how he got to uh, his point total against Auburn. Huge names. Uh, I think it's only, only more names are going to enter uh, and I think as you see some of the movement onto some of these rosters like as you see commitments happen which we have not seen a ton of them right now we've seen Alabama picked up uh, I'm, I'm trying to recall um, they picked up the Wichita State uh, Ford and I think uh, I think it's maybe, maybe Jaquan Walton I want to say is his name they picked him up, so that was a big addition to them, somebody that I think theoretically um, would have been a good fit on Auburn's roster. I think they thought they were going to get Keon Minifield, who ended up at Arkansas. And then earlier today, one of the bigger names that we've seen in the portal in terms of um, just name awareness, Kerr Creesa from uh, Arizona committed to West Virginia. Yeah, how about that? Which, you know, you want to talk about the culture changes of his life, of his basketball career, going from Estonia to Tucson, Arizona, and then Tucson, Arizona to Morgantown, West Virginia. Those feel like some really big pendulum swings there in terms of what those atmospheres are probably like. Um, but, I mean, he's a good player. Um, there's going to be plenty of good players out there that make decisions. Um, you have Olivier Kamawa from... Tennessee, who we saw go off at the end of the year uh, in some big games for Tennessee, he is in the portal. That one was a little bit surprising. That one is surprising, you're, yeah. You're going to have these people, that in these players enter the portal that maybe you don't always see coming, and it's just fascinating to see how it's all going to um, play out. And I mean, Auburn's going to bring in at least three, four guys, I think, right now. Given whether what they're be, losing, yeah, absolutely. I mean, whether it be transfers or the, I guess, two high school names still out there, Blue Kane, I don't think that one's going to happen, and um, Harper. Is it Dylan Harper? Isn't that his name? Um, I believe it Sounds is. Sounds right. Dylan Harper, who on 247, by the way, is the number two player in the country. In the composite, he's the number four player in the country, the number one combo guard. Uh, Auburn's on his final list of five with some big names in Kansas, Indiana, Duke. And somehow Rutgers is in it with everybody. 
Because well, why it's not? Cause, <laughs> it's because half, half these guys that Auburn's after, they're from New Jersey, or they have some mm-hmm. deep connection to Rutgers and New Jersey. So I understand why why they're on the list. But, man, it feels like Rutgers and Auburn are in entirely too many basketball recruiting battles for the conferences that they're in and their geographic locations. Well, there's no doubt that <laughs> Bruce reaches out to a lot of players and Bruce and the coaching staff because I know Stephen Pearl does a lot of the uh, transfer portal work when I was in college I did I uh, did a piece on the transfer portal did a whole project on it and was lucky enough to sit down with Stephen Pearl and talk about just their process of what they do when the when somebody enters the transfer portal uh, the complications that they had to go through during COVID uh, he talked about how you know you couldn't bring guys on campus and you couldn't sell Auburn for what makes Auburn so nice and so awesome right is Auburn and um and so that was interesting to talk to him but yeah I mean Auburn reaches out to a lot of these guys and Auburn is an attractive place to play because now Auburn is building the reputation to not only win basketball games and make the NCAA tournament you'd like to start seeing them make it farther in the NCAA tournament but they have already proven that you can put guys in the NBA And they can be successful in the NBA. And Auburn is proving that right now. Look at Jabari Smith, who has the most double-doubles as a teenager in NBA history. You have Walker Kessler, who uh, has a really good chance to be your rookie of the year. He... uh, He's out, I believe, for the rest of the year with percussion or concussion protocol. Uh, but uh, yeah, there we go. I had to spell it out. But percussion yes, is drums. It is. That's a musical term, <laughs> and I'm not anywhere near that. But yes, Walker Kessler, uh, after an incredible year that nobody expected him to have. Nothing against him. We just didn't know what he was going to be in the NBA. His first season, he he absolutely dominated and uh, has a really good chance to win some big awards as a rookie. Isaac Okoro is playing really well. You still have guys in the NBA that are not only getting there, but playing well and succeeding in the NBA. And so that is what Auburn is able to sell to recruits right now as well. A big name that entered the portal today, uh, Ugana Onyenso, I hope I pronounced that correctly, from Kentucky, a 6'11", 225-pound center. That was a surprise to Kentucky fans, I think that he entered the transfer portal. Maybe like Chance Westry was a surprise for Auburn that entered the transfer portal, a guy that did not play a whole lot. Um, But you look at his ranking. Is it that surprising, though, considering we also got news today that Hunter Dickinson had a Zoom call with Kentucky. Yeah. So, I mean, he is a center, a power forward center. Like, he is a front court player, and clearly Kentucky is looking to add other front front court players maybe he's maybe he's leaving because he doesn't want to sit behind the idea of Oscar Shibway coming back for another year at Kentucky or he sees well one Oscar Shibway could come back regardless or he sees this Kentucky team going after Cal and the staff going after Hunter Dickinson it's just like oh like if if Oscar leaves they're just going to go add another basically Oscar, like a guy I can't start over. And so maybe he just sees the writing on the wall. He needs to go get his minutes elsewhere. Because, I mean, he only played about seven minutes a game this past year. Would they bring in Dickinson if Sheboy's still there? I mean, you they're, I think if you, if you can get both on the same team, absolutely. How dominant would that be? 
That'd be unbelievable, especially given the... Dickinson could shoot the three, so I wonder if you play him as a really, really big four. Possibly. An enormous four. You'd have to. I, I think you'd have to let Oscar continue to be the five because, like you said, he can't shoot. Yes. So he has to play down low, and we know that Oscar Chibway to... has to be in the paint because he rebounds better than anybody in the country. So he plays in the paint. Dickinson can be a flex almost. And then that would give a chance for Kentucky's guards to get back to the level they used to be because that's really been a, a down point for Kentucky over the last few years is their guard play. It's been very inconsistent. That would be scary to know that Hunter Dickinson and Oscar Shebway could be on the floor at the same time. I'm good. I'm at <laughs> Miss me with that. I do not want any part of that. But again, just some really, really big names right now in the transfer portal that Auburn could go after. We talked about in the first hour, Cario Aquindo from Georgia, a guard who is extremely athletic, very good at creating his own shot and getting to the paint. And he's just one of those guys where he makes a team better when he's on the floor. Like Auburn could benefit from a player like Kerry Oquindo massively looking to replace Wendell Green Jr., looking to replace Zepp Jasper. If Katie Johnson is not here, which we don't know what that status is, he would be a guy that I would really, really like Auburn to at least give a phone call to. In my and I think Auburn has been pursuing him in some fashion. In my opinion, having watched him for two years, I don't think there's anybody better in the SEC in terms of getting downhill, getting to the rim, and he's just such a good athlete. If the shooting came around, if he became a three-point threat, I think you're talking about an absolutely an NBA player. You're talking about a guy who can be a difference maker. I, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't know enough about how great he is on the defensive end, uh, but... Man, when his name entered the portal, that was somebody that was like, I would love Auburn to take a look at him. I think they have. I think there's been some contact there. I don't know uh, how far down the road it's gone, but he's somebody who I think is going to be very underrated when you look at um, the the transfer portal. He may not be the highest rated guy, but I think in terms of what he would bring to your team from an athletic perspective – and his ability to slash and get to the rim, he's a really, really intriguing name. Uh, and then, of course, we, we know Auburn has to add shooters. We know that has to happen. I think Auburn is well aware of that. I think that that process has already begun. Um, I mean, you you know names like Quincy Olivari, Denver Jones, um, Jalen Cook that you mentioned. I know Auburn has at least had some sort of conversation there, or at least there's been some contact Auburn's going to go find shooters. I completely believe Drew uh, Bruce Pearl knows he's going to go get shooters. You have to. You, you just have to. We have we have talked time and time again about the offense that Bruce Pearl runs. You have to have shooters, and Auburn has not had that. Yes, you had Jabari last year, but he's not a guy that was just going to stand on the three-point line and wait for somebody to feed him the basketball and shoot it. Jabari created his own shot he hit the 18 foot turnaround jumper that was an NBA style jump shot in the game of college basketball but Auburn has not had just a a stand-up straight three-point shooter since Bryce Brown like Bryce was that type of player where he would he could create his own shot but he was looking to shoot the three and was waiting for somebody to give him that chance and when he got it he was gonna rip it I promise and I think I think Jabari had that ability I just think that Jabari 
like to kind of dribble into his shots more. Right, but I think Jabari was more, I mean, you could give Jabari the ball and say, go get a bucket, and it would be a different type of bucket every time down the floor. Bryce could get to the paint, but his thing was transition or or kick you know drive and kick he's standing on the three-point line waiting for it and that's what Auburn needs I'm really excited to see what uh, Aiden Holloway can do at Auburn there's a video of him I guess as he preps for the oh it's the Nike basketball like showcase I forget the official title but he's playing for the world team because he has dual citizenship in America and Canada um he there's a video of him at the trail, the Trailblazers practice facility, just kind of running the arc, catch and shoot threes, and he's automatic. I mean, I think he missed one in the entire like ninety second clip. He's just ripping threes, hitting all of them. It looks smooth. If he can be a legitimate three point threat at the point guard position, and maybe even when you have these other guards that will come in the door, if there is a an option for him to have a little catch and shoot in this game. I think you're, I think that's a significant upgrade for this Auburn team. Which, if Trey Donaldson becomes the point guard, I think he can be. We know that Trey has the handling abilities to hold his own in the SEC and bring the ball up the floor and orchestrate the offense. I'd like to see that get a little bit better. But if you could play both of them at the same time where we saw Trey Donaldson shoot the basketball a lot better down the stretch, and if Aiden Holloway can continue to shoot in college as he has in high school – that's a nasty one-two punch at the guard position. Two guys that can handle the basketball, create their own shot, and make opportunities for others and knock down shots when they have the chance. Yeah. How strong is that, man? And add somebody like Denver Jones, who's a higher-volume scorer that can shoot a little bit and handle the basketball a bit as well. I mean, we're talking about an Auburn team that I think, maybe on paper, when it's all said and done, the recruiting class and the transfer class in the team rankings may not look unbelievable or out of this world or whatever you you want to call it I think this 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 staff Bruce Pearl and company are going to build a team that complements each other extremely well I think that Auburn can improve a lot and become a legitimate top 15 team going into next season lots of big names in the transfer portal we'll see where auburn goes we have talked about what they have to address now it's just time to do it and we'll see what bruce pearl and this coaching staff will do now that the transfer portal for college basketball is wide open we'll talk some football when we come back haven't had a chance to fully get to that yet we'll talk some spring practice notes as we get closer to a day and we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 we'll talk auburn football spring practice when we come back On the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back inside the studio at ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Talking a little bit of Auburn spring practice with A Day coming up, uh, rapidly approaching on Saturday. Hopefully, they get it in. I know the weather's obviously not supposed to be great uh, throughout the Southeast uh, in the state of Alabama, Georgia, and other places. But as we get closer to A Day, uh, we had the media viewing at practice on Monday we heard what Hugh Freeze had to say about what's been going on and uh, lots of interesting notes that he had to say and things we saw things we've heard uh, throughout the last couple of weeks and uh, we'll continue to talk about it today tomorrow and Friday as A-Day approaches but 
all eyes will be obviously on the uh, quarterback position on Saturday. Depends on how uh, how the quarterbacks look, who takes first team, second team reps. However, that's going to look with the new format that we are going to see on Saturday. But Carter, as it always is, and that we know oh so well. All eyes are going to be on the quarterback spot with Robbie Ashford, TJ Finley, and Holden Gurner. Yeah, I mean, anytime you have a quarterback battle, that's going to be where the eye is drawn to, especially because, you know, I mean, they're getting the ball every snap. And so you know that uh, if you just follow the ball, that it's going to be in their hands at some point in time. Great analysis play. there, brother. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting because – I am curious how they look in front of fans. Uh, I don't think they're going to be live. And I think that we've seen TJ Finley thrive in those environments uh, in his career. Wouldn't shock me if he looks the best. I'm curious to see just how kind of crisp things look with Holden Gurner because we've seen there's been some buzz. We've seen some good throws. Um, I'm very fascinated to see how he he looks throwing the ball on Saturday. Um, Robbie, it's not going to be a great opportunity to really showcase for him because we know he's been banged up. We know he's still banged up. That shoulder's been bothering him. I do think he has rebounded well on a couple practices, though. Um, but he's also not live, so you don't get a, get the full feel for his speed and his legs. Uh, and when you eliminate that, I mean, it certainly it affects it affects how he's. Um, going to look, and it affects how these the staff will evaluate him. Um, he's a really athletic, talented player, and the ceiling is really high. I just don't know if he's where he needs to be right now in terms of a passer. And I think that um, that you saw that last fall. I think you've continued to see that this spring. And part of it is that shoulder has to be a hundred percent by the time the fall practice comes around. Uh, I don't know what it's at now. I know he missed a couple practices at least this spring with that shoulder being sore. But that shoulder's got to get right. Because if if it's not right, you really can't play. Not in Hugh Freeze's offense. No, and if if it's not right and 100%, then... He will not win the starting job. He won't have a chance to win the starting job because, A... We know he's been battling this for a while now. And like you said, with Hugh Freeze's offense and what we are going to see, you have to be healthy to to make the plays that have to be made when SEC football comes around. And so I hope they can find a way to to get his shoulder healthy and to get him fully healthy and make this a a true and fair quarterback battle between Robbie Ashford, TJ Finley, Holden Gurner, and or a transfer quarterback if Auburn decides to go that route. I think most people are in agreement at that. They will at least look and see what's out there and probably bring somebody in. But you want to see Robbie be 100%. You want to see everybody 100% and, and be able to compete at the highest level because we know there are a lot of fans, there are a lot of Auburn fans that listen to this show and that just in general that – really, really like Robbie Ashford and know his potential and think he could be really, really good at Auburn, given his athletic ability, given his running ability, and if he's able to throw the football accurately, 
yeah, there is a, a pretty high ceiling with Robbie Ashford, but he's got to get healthy. And so that's the big storyline on Saturday for Robbie Ashford. TJ Finley, uh, it's you're, he's probably going to look good. I mean, we know that in situations that don't truly matter when games are not on the line, when the defense is not running full force at you and you can be tackled, he's probably going to look pretty solid. And I just continue to preach that what TJ Finley is is what TJ Finley is. We know what you're getting with TJ Finley. And so I don't put him in this conversation. I really, really don't. Uh, He may be in it right now, but I don't think by the time fall practice rolls around that TJ Finley will be in in consideration for this. I'm interested to see how Holden Gurner looks. Uh, He has been impressive in spring practice from what we've seen and what we've been told. Uh, He looked good at the pro day throwing next to Cam Newton and was handpicked to throw for John Samuel Schenker, which I think uh, we've talked about it, but that speaks volumes to me. I mean, some people say that he outthrew Cam at pro day and I think I think that gave him a little bit of confidence and I think he's really run with that and he went from being a I think a distant third in this quarterback battle um to in the in the thick of it in about a week I put him at second I, I put him at second I think it's still Robbie Ashford's job because it was his last year I know he's hurt but I still think it's his as of right now I put Holden Gurner at two because I think he's a better thrower than TJ Finley. I think he's a better player than TJ Finley. And more importantly, I think he's on the roster in the fall when TJ Finley won't be. So I put it at Robbie one, Holden Gurner two, and TJ Finley three. I just think that's the pecking order right now. You'll learn a little bit from Saturday, but uh, that's where I put it right now. I really don't know. I don't know what the what the hierarchy is because I think TJ's looked the best consistently over the spring. I think Holden's come on really strong late. Robbie, you can't fully evaluate because he can't use his legs and he's banged up. Which is important to remember. I think Holden's close to being one in my mind. We'll find out. We'll see what they do on Saturday as well. But stay tuned. We're going to talk to Masters when we come back as it gets going tomorrow. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067. Well, Carter, it's Masters Week and the Part 3 contest going on right now. We've seen uh, multiple hole-in-ones. Uh, you're seeing families uh, join their their dads play uh, in the Part 3 contest. It's one of the coolest traditions in all of golf, the Part 3 contest on the Wednesday of Masters Week. And the Part 3, it the course there, it looks beautiful. The entire course at Augusta just looks absolutely phenomenal. Uh, have you ever been? Have you ever been to Augusta? I have not. I have not. I've never made it uh, to that. Which you know, it is what it is. Uh, my my dad got to go this week, and my brother and his wife are going on Saturday. Wow! So. Wow! I'm jealous. I I have been once. Uh, I went to a practice round, the Monday practice round of 2019 and i knew this because i've seen the 
lanyard still sitting in your car before. yeah i have i when we went so my dad and i went uh my dad had a buddy that won four tickets from the lottery right you got to submit your name every year and he had a buddy that won four tickets so him and his son went and my dad and i went uh with them and we went to yes the monday practice round of 2019 which that year is very very significant in the history of the masters because that's the year tiger won it and uh, that was a very very cool year and what's cool about mondays at augusta is it's a practice round so it's a little bit more relaxed it's a little bit more chill Uh, the players are all all the players are there which is important right all the players are there they're playing a practice round and so they they hit multiple balls and they're kind of you know they're laughing joking around um the most important thing is that all the items in the pro shop are still there and so we had free range on anything that you could possibly imagine in the pro shop at the masters to get gear and get memorabilia and all that so uh, we dropped a pretty penny on on master stuff but that's truly a once in a lifetime experience to go into to augusta and so i got a keychain i got we have my lanyard you know that has your ticket in it and stuff we got the polo that i'm currently wearing my I green to, i was about to say yeah that. the green <laughs> masters polo that i'm wearing uh right now in honor of the masters i got a chair i got a flag t- tomorrow for the actual start of the masters i mean it's on right now the par three contest not the actual event so it's sunny i, I wore it today because i wanted to but got the polo got a keychain i got a chair i got a flag i have a turvis cup uh, i bought all kinds of stuff spent way too much money but it's a once in a lifetime experience and so it moral of the story if you have a chance to go to augusta if somebody offers you to go to the masters i don't care if you don't like golf go and if you don't want to go give me a call because i'd love to go again and so went on that monday practice round in 2019 i uh, got to see tiger play got to see all the biggest names in golf uh, and of course tiger would go on to win it again then in 2019 and so we'll talk about the masters as again the part three contest going on right now the pairings for the masters some interesting ones and this week the big storyline is the live golfers are going to be here at the masters and everybody's wondering how is this going to go down with all of the live golfers that are going to be on the grounds this week Mm -hmm. with Rory McIlroy who is the most outspoken representative of the PGA Tour people are wanting Rory McIlroy to go up against anybody from the live tour to be paired on Sunday afternoon at Augusta a Dustin Johnson or a Brooks Kepka to go up against one of those guys in the final pairing on Sunday but that's the biggest story at Augusta right now is so, the live golfers versus the world fair I think DJ or Phil or somebody like that yeah I'd be with you but clearly there's not any animosity between Rory and Brooks Kepka because they've played a practice round together mm-hmm. this week so like they're they're clearly still friends uh, I mean, if you watched the full swing Netflix documentary, uh, we know Rory's feelings about Phil Mickelson, uh, <laughs> as he had, I think it's one of the only expletives in the entire, uh, show. Uh, and well, he made, he made true. sure it that's was in there. All. But yeah, <laughs> he no. said, keep that in there. But uh, that was a great documentary, by the way. If you it, haven't it seen was. that, the full swing on, on Netflix is fantastic. The, when looking at the pairings for tomorrow... Uh, the first one that jumps out to me because it's the most unlikable man in golf with one of the most likable young guys in golf. You have the 924 AMT time between with Patrick Reed, Adams Vinson, 
and Sahith Thagala from Love Full it. Swing, who's awesome. Yes. And is playing so well, who is probably going to win a major at some point in his career with how talented he is and how good he is. Uh, but yeah, I would, I just want to see the awkward bits of conversation between Thagala, who like, he's probably never really hung, has, he was a rookie last year when they left for live, has probably never hung out with Patrick Reed, ever. And Patrick Reed, who, for some reason, like, has this need to be liked, even though he's the most hated person in golf. Yeah, that is an interesting pairing. Uh, you look at 10-18 tomorrow, Tiger yep. Woods, Victor Hovland, Xander Shoffley. Uh, that is a big, big pairing there. Uh, Adam Scott, Patrick Cantlay, Kurt Kitayama at 10-30. Wow. Uh, watch out for... two. Yeah, look at that one. Justin Thomas, John Rom, Cam Young. Those three, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch them. How about the one right underneath that? Hideki Matsuyama, former Masters champion, mm-hmm. Cam Smith, and Sung M. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's going to be a lot of fun, man. I'm really excited. Uh, Gary Woodland and Brooks Kipka, who look like they're brothers already, or they're, they're paired together along with the most confusing Masters winner of our lifetime, uh, Danny Willett, who won <laughs> yes. it in 2016, the former JSU golfer, if I recall that correctly. Yeah, he played golf at Jacksonville State here in the state of Alabama, and somehow won that tournament when Jordan Spieth just coughed it up to him. Yeah, a couple of other pairings at the Masters for tomorrow on Thursday, the opening round, which seems to be the only day that they are confident they'll get a full round in, given the weather over in Augusta this week. Uh, Dustin Johnson, Corey Connors, Justin Rose, Scotty Scheffler, defending Masters champion, going for back-to-back green jackets for the first time since Tiger Woods did it back in the early 2000s. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, Max Homa, and Sam Bennett, Jordan Spieth, Tommy Fleetwood, Tony Finau. Finau is a popular underdog pick to win the Masters this week. His betting odds aren't great, but he seems to be playing pretty well. And if you watched Full Swing, it's a lot about confidence and focus with Tony Finau. His entire family is there. He's got about five or six kids. Uh, He's very, very big on his family. And if he truly focuses and is ready to play golf, he could win the Masters this week. And and I think a lot of fans would be excited about that. Yeah, I mean, there's some great late pairings as well. That Matt Fitzpatrick, Colin Morikawa, Will Zalatoris pairing. Love that one. Three very likable young guys on tour. Um, Fitzpatrick has not really regained form since winning his major last year. Uh, curious about that one. If you're a an amateur golf fan in the uh, state of Alabama and I guess in the world, um, an in-state guy, number two amateur golfer, in the world, Gordon Sargent. He will be uh, teeing off at 12.48. He's from Mountain Brook uh, up in Birmingham. He's teeing off with Zach Johnson and Jason Day. So that's going to be a fun pairing for him. A lot of eyes will be on Rory McIlroy this week, looking for his first green jacket. And not just that, Carter, looking for the career Grand Slam. Yeah, he's been chasing this one forever. And God, he, like I, I don't think he should be... Uh, tied for the best odds with Scotty Scheffler to win this tournament. I think that's a lot of people that pump up Rory and bet Rory. I want him to win this tournament so badly um, because I feel like he's a good dude and he deserves it. But, you know, I think it's really hard right now to beat Scotty Scheffler, and it's really hard to beat John Rahm. Mm-hmm. I think those two, if I'm picking somebody to win, we know Spieth and his success um, – in Augusta, um, 
we know his success in majors. He's there, of course. And you've got a bunch of really talented guys, a bunch of guys in this field who have obviously won this tournament before. Dustin Johnson, uh, I mean, Tiger and Phil are there, of course. Jason Day is a guy who I think could be sneaky in this tournament. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I can't, cannot wait to get this tournament kicked off. Well, what's so important about the Masters is it's a similar conversation that we were talking about with March Madness in the NCAA tournament where experience is so important at Augusta. The guys that have played at Augusta National before have so much of a leg up on the guys that haven't or the guys that have only played it a few times. Somebody like Tiger Woods, who has played Augusta a, a countless amount of times, has that course memorized back to front, front to back, every tee box, every fairway, every green, every bunker. And those things matter more at Augusta than any other golf course in the world. And that's why it's really, really tough to predict who is going to win at the Masters. And uh, you talked about the betting odds. Scotty Scheffler is your betting favorite to repeat as Masters champion. Mm -hmm. John Rahm, Rory McIlroy up there in the betting odds. Those three are clear, head and shoulders above, kind of in a tier one by themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm looking at FanDuel right here, and they've got Scotty Scheffler at plus 700. Rory McIlroy at plus 700. Uh, John Rahm at plus 950. Honestly, between those three, I kind of look at Rahm and I'm like, oh, there's some value there because he's not closer to those guys. Then you get a pretty decent drop-off to Spieth at plus 1,700 uh, with Cantlay and Justin Thomas as the 5th and 6th at plus 1,800 and plus 2,100. Not far behind it. Tony Finau, Dustin Johnson, Xander Schauffele, Cam Smith, Morikawa, Day, all those names that you know, Cam Young, Max Homa, the guys playing really well coming into this tournament. Cam Smith, we know how great he is with the putter. Uh, it's the first time I like. I, I can't really recall him. I guess this is his first major since joining Live Golf. So um, I have not been able to keep track of him as easily here recently. Keep up with Colin Morikawa. Keep that name on your radar. That guy is extremely talented. Hits the golf ball really, really well. His putting uh, is something that keeps him in rounds. I think he is a lock to make the top 10 at Augusta this week. Colin Morikawa is a lock to make the top 10. Who's, if you had to pick somebody who you would put put your, your stake on to make the top 10, we'll make our official picks coming up in a few minutes, but if you had to pick a golfer that you would say is going to make the top 10 this week at Augusta. That's where the big money is. Who would it be and why? That's not one of the three favorites? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Outside of the three favorites, yes. Um, I don't know. I've got this gut feeling that Jason Day is going to be in this on Sunday because, I mean, he's somebody who's won it before, somebody who's uh, I spent last year. He was kind of off the radar because he was going through a swing change and has been really good recently. Uh, since kind of locking in that swing. I kind of like Jason Day. Um, and then, of course, I'm a massive Cam Young fan. Yeah. I love him. Yeah, he's 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 <laughs> exciting. He's he's one of those guys in golf that everybody just seems to like. And there's a, there's a new younger wave coming through the game of golf right now. And it's crazy because I remember when the young wave was Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Ricky Fowler. Those guys were the young crew rolling through golf. But now it's Scotty Scheffler. It's Cam Smith. It's Colin Morikawa. It's Max Homa. Yeah. Zalatoris. Sung J.M. Like these guys 
are the young ones moving through the game of golf, and they're so much fun to watch, man. I want Homa to get a top 10 so badly. Same for Zalatoris. His putting stroke mm-hmm. makes me want to puke, but <laughs> but yeah. he's a really good player, a likable guy, um, and Fitzpatrick. I'm, I'm, I'm always going to be partial to Fitzpatrick just because he's such an analytical dude, and he uh, is so little out there. And he did go to Northwestern. Yes, that is a fact. Yes, but tell them what Fitzpatrick does. If people didn't watch Full Swing, tell them what Fitzpatrick has done since he picked up a golf club for the first time. He takes notes after every single swing that he takes. And he goes back after he finishes a practice session or a round. And he writes it all down. He throws it in a spreadsheet. And he, like, he literally takes notes on every single swing. Every single time he swings the golf club and hits the ball, he writes it down. And in that full swing documentary, and again, if you're a big golf fan and you haven't watched it, uh, what are you doing? But if you are not a huge golf fan and you're looking for something to kind of get you into golf a little bit and get you excited about golf, watch the full swing documentary on Netflix. It's super, super interesting. A great time to watch it with the Masters getting going tomorrow. But yeah, isn't that crazy? He writes down and he's got all of his... All of his books from the time he started playing golf to now, Fitzpatrick has written down every single golf shot he's ever hit, how he hit it, what club he used, the distance, all that type of stuff. So very, very analytical uh, that he is in the game of golf. Just so many big names this week at, at, a ma- at the Masters at Augusta. It is, it's the, the golf tournament all year long, and a guy that every single person's attention will be on is, of course, Tiger Woods, who... Who knows what his performance is going to look like? Who knows if this could be the last time Tiger Woods plays at Augusta in the Masters? His betting odds are at plus 6,600. Um, I probably wouldn't sprinkle any money on that. I don't think Tiger's going to come out and win this thing this week, but I'm pretty sure we said that in 2019 as well. But, Carter, what do what do you think Tiger can do this week? Can he make the cut? I think that's a that's the big question. Can Tiger Woods make it to the weekend? His, I think he's got a, I don't think it's like the best odds ever. Yeah, to, plus 6,600, so not great. It's plus, or it's minus 192 to make the cut. So he is favored to make the cut. I think that's because of the, the course knowledge he has that nobody else does. Because uh, he's played this about as many times as anybody, and he's got as much natural ability. I'm very curious to know where his golf game's at, because we haven't seen him since the, the Genesis Open. Uh, where he made the cut. He played pretty well. He finished tied for 45th, and that's the first time we've seen him since um, not since not being competitive at all at the British Open. I want to know how that leg is. I want to know how he's holding up physically. I've seen um, he physically looks good. Um, we know how talented he is. We know how good he is at the game. But I've seen some stuff that maybe he's not in the best physical shape with his leg and everything. Uh and I and I think it's it's something that I do worry about, you know, when you when you have a bunch of surgeries, when you have metal and stuff put in your body because we know he's got that metal rod in his lower leg. I wonder if the bad weather affects his ability to to feel good, feel comfortable on the golf course. I want to see how that affects him. It very well could. And one thing that not a lot of people think about is the fact that these guys are walking 
18 holes every single day and Augusta is not an easy course it's not an easy grounds to walk and so it's very it is very uh, deteriorating on your body when you're walking 18 holes at Augusta so interested to see what Tiger Woods does this week as well we'll make some picks about the Masters coming up also as we get to our final break here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line I've got two more tickets to give away Auburn baseball versus Texas A&M on Friday at Plainsman Park again this is the Friday game for all Auburn baseball game two of the series against the Aggies first one to call in you have got them 334-321-1390 trying to give some more tickets away Auburn baseball versus Texas A&M on Friday give us a call 334-321-1390 we'll wrap up the Wednesday edition of on the line when we come back you are on the line on ESPN 1067 Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Just a few more minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, I'm joined with Carter Bird here on ESPN 106.7. Got a few more minutes left before the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck. We'll be here from 4 to 6 on ESPN 106.7. Carter, as the Masters gets going tomorrow... We've talked about some top tens. We've talked about what it would mean for Rory McIlroy to win the Masters for the first time, get the career Grand Slam. What can Tiger Woods do this week as well? But most importantly, who's your pick to win this thing? Let's uh, let's make this interesting. Let's go pick to win and then Dark Horse and then one guy from like way down the list to finish <laughs> top ten. Okay, okay, I can do that. Go ahead. I think John Rahm wins this. I think mm. it's I think it's his time. I think he's been so good, and I think that he he will uh, finally get this win for for to add to the trophy case. Okay, so your pick to win is John Rahm. My pick to win. Are you ready for this? Justin Thomas. I think JT gets it done. I think he's playing well. I think he has played Augusta enough times to know the course and. Look, he's just a really good player, man. And I really, really like JT. I know he played at Alabama, but I really like Justin Thomas. That's my pick to win is Justin Thomas this week. There you go. All right, so now we're on to our dark horse to win. Dark horse. Let's um, go somebody, somebody uh, like outside the top like 15. 20. Yeah. I'm going to go I'm going to go Corey Connors. Okay. Why? Couldn't tell you. But I'm going Corey Connors, dark horse. I'm going to go Joaquin Neiman. Okay. I think he's a really wow. talented young okay. player. Okay. And uh I mean he's one of the live tour guys. I just think he's really good, man. He is I really good. Do. Yeah. Outside of the top fifty in betting odds to win the Masters. Oh, I'm to, going to finish top ten. Oh, to finish was, top was, ten. Was this one? Oh, okay. How about a former Masters winner? The one that plays with a pink driver head, sometimes a pink golf ball. I'm going with Bubba Watson. I'm going to say Bubba makes the top 10 this week. I'm going to go Thomas Peters. Just because. Okay. <laughs> I like it. I absolutely love it. Hey, Masters gets going underway tomorrow. Enjoy it. We'll talk about it, give you updates as it's going on. But we are out of time here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Come back tomorrow right here from 2 to 4 p.m. on ESPN 106.7. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.